0: Welcome to the seventy-fifth episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. I've been talking to moms all over the country, and wow, this is a hard summer for you. Specifically, because all those camps and activities that you've signed your kids up for have been canceled, and you have kids that want to sleep in to twelve thirty or later. And they're having a hard time getting off the couch with their screens because there's really no reason to get up. And this means that, moms, you're not really getting a break that you need this summer. And you have to be full on. There's more drama for you, and many of you are really drained. And I just want to let you know that I'm here for you. If you need some mom coaching, uh, this is what I've been doing. So you can contact me at Colleen at dialdownthedrama.com. And today we're going to talk about a predicament that moms are in. Often our families demand every bit of our good energy. Our careers demand every bit of our good energy. And this is where we can feel like mother machines. We are expected to give and give and give. This is reinforced by powerless parenting messages like, it's selfish to pay attention to my own needs. We feel pressure to put our family first and everything else first. And the big problem is this just doesn't work for moms and it really doesn't work for our families either. To talk more about this, I have brought a very special guest to our show and let me introduce you to Sue Ludwig. Sue Ludwig is the president and founder of the National Association of Neonatal Therapists or you can call that NANT an organization full of passionate neonatal therapists who aim to improve developmental outcomes for premature and sick infants in the NICU. Sue practiced as a neonatal occupational therapist at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center for over 20 years. Sue is a sought-after speaker, consultant, writer, and educator. She's also a published author and poet, and is actually writing another book right now. She is driven to improve the culture of healthcare, armed with decades of experience speaking for those who cannot speak for themselves. But most importantly, Sue has been an amazing friend to me and accountability partner in my business and for me personally for the past 10 years. Sue and I have hiked many miles together, exchanging sagas about our teens when they were in middle school and high school, and our conversation continued as they now are in their early 20s. I have the utmost respect for Sue as a leader, a mom, and a human being. Welcome, Sue. Uh, thank you, Colleen. It's so fun to be here. I'm so excited
1: to get to talk to all of your moms and your audience, so thank yes. you for having me.
0: Yeah, so Sue and I are going to have a little conversation, and it's going to be kind of fun to be sharing that with thousands of people. So um, so I want to start with this quote that you told me about, and can you share that with our listeners and why that's important to you? Yes, so I think the quote you're referring to is by Dr.
1: Jill Bolte-Taylor, and her quote was, please take responsibility for the energy you bring to this space. And when I first heard that, I, I can't remember if it was first on Oprah or when I read her book, but it was somewhere around 2007, 2008. And I remember it just sort of hit me between the eyes because, you know, I had been, I was, you know, in my mid to late thirties, I guess at that time. And I, you know, half working from home, working at the hospital, kids in middle to high school-ish. And, you know, everything was just chaos. And I remember thinking, wow, I mean, I was, you know, kind of exploring, like trying to be more present and, you know, things like that, that we're always all trying to do maybe. But I had never heard it put like that. i had never considered that I could be responsible for the energy I brought somewhere. And so I kind of just started exploring what that could mean and, and started doing it at work actually first, uh, meaning that, you know, before I opened the doors to a little incubator to put my hands on a little tiny baby, I would think, what energy am I bringing to that baby? And because I, I realized in the NICU that when we are stressed or busy, you know, we move faster, we turn the baby over faster and we, we transfer stress. A lot of times unknowingly to this little person. And so one of the first ways I tried to do that was to just think before I opened those portholes, wow, what energy am I bringing right now? Am I stressed? Am I busy? Am I, you know, somebody just had a conversation with me and what did I want to leave outside of that space and bring to this person? Uh, so it started to help me understand that I I could lead myself in that way. Mm. And that became a really empowering thing for me yeah. moving forward.
0: So, yeah, so let's let's think about this with these little preemies. Like what difference did you see when like you were more conscious and you took responsibility for the energy that you brought and when you didn't, what would you see with the little babies? Yeah, so
1: if I was just fast, or even the people I was working with, if we were, I think I would, when I wasn't being conscious of that energy, it was easy to go in kind of flip them over a little faster, which causes them stress. They kind of startle and flail about, uh, I would be less attentive to their really subtle cues. So preemies can't communicate, obviously, except for these subtle cues they give us. And the less present I was, the less I noticed those subtle cues, which led them to potentially be less stable even in the moment, you know? And so the more I paid attention to those things, the more I was really there for them and being responsible for what I brought to them. It changed me. You know, I thought it was going to change. I kind of went with the intention like, oh, I'm going to change how they feel. And it, and it did change that. They had fewer stress signs. Uh, they were more comfortable, they got back to sleep faster. Uh, I was clearly calmer in the moment. And it was shocking then to to watch that happen. But what was surprising to me was that it not only affected them, but it affected how I felt at the end of that session. So it seems like when we're we're always giving, you know, I think as women and as moms to everyone else – and sometimes it feels like those things keep taking our energy, but this, when I left that moment, I had more energy because I knew I, I knew I served that little person better in that moment. And I felt more on purpose and that gave me an energy that I hadn't had before. Uh, it was, I like suddenly kind of felt like I took a film away from my eyes in the moment.
0: Uh oh, so, so wonderful. So. Does this apply to moms who are raising teens? (laughs) Uh, I found that it did.
1: So, you know, it's, uh, I think one of the hardest things for me in in that time period is, was, you know, I was really busy as well. And so walking back into the house after work and like, God knows what the state of the kitchen was in and they all had their things and everybody needed stuff and there were you know, 100 trips to the store to get whatever project materials and just, you know, all the things we all know. And what I, I found it to be harder to bring into my home environment than work because work had like a beginning and an end and like a session start and a session end. And there was like the, there were these clear boundaries, but when I went home, it just felt like splatter, you know, like, how do I, how do I bring that here? You know? Um, And what I found is that when I was able to take kind of break down home life into little transitions that I could show up and take responsibility for that energy. So for example, if I sat in my car in the garage for just 10 seconds, when I got home from work and thought, okay, I'm about to go into the house, which I'd never even thought of before, you know, I just got out of the car and went in the house, whatever. So I would sit there and just think, who do I want to be? What kind of energy do I want to bring into this kitchen? No matter what the heck is going on in there. (laughs) What energy do I want to bring? And so I would pre-decide, you know, take a deep breath, pre-decide like what I wanted to bring in there. And one that just had, you know, I startling results in that. I didn't realize how much I was leading the energy of the room. Yeah. And that, you know, if I came in and was just like, okay, what do we got tonight? And then I start, I was just like in, I just joined the chaos. Mm. Then I was contributing to it really. And I was also teaching my kids what it looks like when adults come home from work. You know, so one thing I learned in the NICU was that like the moment that we're in, is, is truly building that baby's brain for the rest of their life, you know, we're like the moment is important because it contributes to later development. And I started to realize that was true in my house. Mm. And that if I wasn't even using the moment, because I didn't even recognize that there we were having one, <laughs> you know, I was just like unconsciously going about life, that I was missing an opportunity to really be building something now and later. So I could make the environment calmer when I came into the room or more fun. It didn't have to always be calm. Maybe I just made it more fun. Um, And that those moments started to build a different future for us. Um, And I think some of that was by, you know, instead of just coming in, throwing everything down, starting dinner or running people around or opening my laptop to do other work or scrolling on my phone, I would be like, Hey, how, you know, what, what happened today? And instead of asking that question and then kind of not really listening <laughs> um, or doing a hundred things, you know, I just really paid attention. Yeah. And sometimes it was in what they didn't say uh, or who spoke up or who didn't. But I started to notice because I was really paying attention to them instead of multitasking out the wazoo, which is what I would
0: have done before. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, okay, so I'm going to ask you the same question I kind of asked you about preemies. Because uh, I'm sure you didn't do this 100% of the time. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what difference did you see, like, when you more kind of unconsciously walked into your house versus when you were more conscious and you, you, you set that intention? I think what I saw... I I don't think I saw
1: something like day one. What I saw was that over time, uh, my kids started to expect that we could have that open communication because I was asking. So I think they started to tell me more things than before. Uh, I think they also started to say things like, hey, how, how was your day? What happened for you? Which, you know, was interesting and weird, you know? Um, so, and, you know, I remember this really precious moment actually, uh, when my daughter was only probably about 10 and I was just practicing this stuff, you guys, I mean, I was just like practicing, you know, literally trying to just practice being intentional and present and being responsible. And so I, I, she was wanted to tell me all about what happened that day. And she was chatty, chatty, chatty. And I was doing something else. And I, and I thought, wait, 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 I'm supposed to be trying to be intentional. (laughs) So I, I put everything kind of aside and I just, she was sitting on the little stool, just chatting away at me about recess and what happened and all this and, and all these things. And, and I just noticed that she had these really, these two really distinct colors in her eyes. And I had really not noticed that before. And I was Mm. like, she's 10 and I haven't noticed this before, but it's because (laughs) I was really looking at her Mm. and her little tan face brought out the color of her eyes. And I just was like, got, I mean, it just brought tears to my eyes because I was like, oh my gosh, you have these stunning little eyeballs that I haven't been paying (laughs) attention to. And so it was, she doesn't know, she didn't know that, but it changed me. It made me want more of that, whatever that felt like. Um, So these, I think I realized that these things happened in little tiny spurts of time. It wasn't like I sat down on the couch and said, kids, tell me about your day, because that would have just freaked them out, right? (laughs) It was just, it was in these little moments that, that things really changed. And I feel like the overall chaos of what felt like I used to come home to became calmer. Like everyone was just calmer because I was calmer and i was i was leading that energy when i came through the door and that's uh,
0: a big thing i noticed that is so awesome and it's interesting like when you're talking about the preemies is that you said that i missed those subtle cues yeah. but that that still is applicable to teenagers yes for sure and i think the
1: the subtle cues that i picked up for them were Similar in some ways, but you know the little behaviors or the what they—if I asked a question and what they kind of looked away and just ah uh, nothing, you know what happened? Thing, nothing, and like I started to notice the nuances in when nothing was really nothing and when nothing was really something. Oh, that's good. Um, and I noticed that, uh, you know when they went in their rooms and shut the door. Or when they were willing to stay out and sort of our in the kitchen to do their work or something like that. So, and when they wanted me to bring them to practice versus somebody else. Mm. And that sometimes on those little rides, like one sentence came out that was really important. Mm. Just one. And sometimes that was even subtle, you know, mm. whatever, whatever the important sentence was. But I started to pick up these little cues of when they wanted to connect more, when they needed something more. And and that just helped me know them better. Mm. And I think those little conversations or those subtle cues opened communication between us that may, might not have happened and <clears throat> that I can see now looking back were important for things that were going to come later because <laughs> yeah. um, there's always things that come later. Mm -hmm. And this isn't about making some like perfect little family at all. Believe me, everybody, Um, you know, it's just about, you know, that connection with our people and, you know, and I think Colleen, you taught me early on because Colleen, as she said, we're, we're accountability partners and we've left a lot of things and a lot of miles, (laughs) a lot of places together. But, you know, you taught me always to just stay connected with them. Yeah, and that no matter what else was happening, and that was sage advice for me. Uh, and those subtle cues helped me stay more connected.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm talking to moms and they feel really disconnected from their teens, and um, so exactly what what you're saying is so helpful because you just don't go from no connection to like deep connection. It starts with these little tiny, like you said, reading those subtle cues and just, wow, mom really seemed like she was really there for me. And she seemed really like she cared. And those little moments build and build and build. So I think that can be encouraging to the moms listening. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because uh, yeah, I remember my daughter was five years old. And when you're talking about, and this this line is so important, like leading, like leading the energy in the room. So I remember my daughter was five years old and I did the whole rush in, drop stuff. And my daughter at five said, you need a quiet time, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so like we think, I don't know. I mean, like we kind of like... My daughter was more aware of my energy than I was aware of my energy. Yes. I, yes.
1: And you can see it in their face. Like when they look, another little preemie sign is that they get these wide eyes and the eyebrows go up when they're stressed. And I find that to be true of adult humans as well. And so even just that little subtle, like almost a little subtle look of surprise is like a stress sign, and if I came whirling in like a small tornado, I saw more of those types of subtle uh, cues as well um, yeah. and tried to, and I was like, oh, you know, and, and this was like a, when I say I practiced, it was like maybe one day I felt intentional for like one moment. So this wasn't <laughs> like suddenly I, you know, had a Zen garden and was doing <laughs> yoga in the morning you know, it was a very extremely gradual process.
0: Yeah. And so that's, yeah. So the same thing with the, the preemies in terms of if we, if we're not bringing, if we're bringing kind of that chaotic energy into the home, then um, our teens are going to have stress signs. Yes. And we can, yes, for sure. And,
1: and I think one of the, uh, I sometimes would, it would take me noticing the stress signs before I realized I hadn't been intentional
0: Yeah. So I would
1: see the stress, and then I would say, "Oh, okay. What am I? What am I? What energy am I bringing to this moment?" Sort of thing. And I think one of the really cool things about just approaching it kind of moment by moment, or room by room, or is that you get to start over so quickly when you mess up. And and so I think another thing that I was able to you know learn from them is when I saw that happen, I. I, instead of being like, oh man, I failed at this or in in all that, I felt like in the beginning, I would just say, you know, guys, I'm going to hit a pause button. I'm just going to start over. I really, you know, like I came in here like a maniac and I'm sorry. And I would like to just, that isn't really what I wanted to bring in here today. And so I think even giving ourselves permission to, even walk out of the room and come back and say, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I just kind of like, you know, brought something in here or just saying, Hey, you know what? Sorry, I'm going to start over. I just needed a second. What were you saying? I wasn't hearing you before. Actually, I wasn't paying attention, but I am now. What were you saying? Oh, that's, you know, and yes. They might say like, Oh, never mind. But I think the more I said that, the more they were like, okay, like, and they would just start over. And I, uh, that was, that's been helpful for me.
0: Well, that's so good on so many levels because that, that goes back to that quote in terms of taking responsibility. It's not about being perfect. And our, our teens actually don't need us to be perfect, but they do need us to name and take responsibility when we are off because they see it, they experience it. And so there's something in them that can kind of calm down when we say, you know, I was like a maniac and just, I just need a moment. So they're like, well, yeah, you were like a maniac and okay. So, cause that's congruent with what they've just experienced. Like that's all they need that they all, and we're, we're modeling for our teens how to do the same thing. Yes. And I've
1: seen that very thing come back. You know how our kids use our words against us later. Yeah. Um, (laughs) we hear them say things and we're like, Oh wow, that was a, that was awesome. So, but I remember just recently actually, and my daughter just turned 21, but I remember her, she was sitting at her laptop doing all this, you know, school online school, you know, and, um, I was talking to her not respecting the fact that she was working and I knew that she was working just as has happened 1000 times the other direction and I was like oh and then she said and she just looked at me and she said hold on a second I just need to pay attention to this and then I lo- and I and then I'd love to hear whatever you're saying or something like that and I just I just kind of chuckled because I was like okay that you know, and it was a good boundary for her to set with me. Like she was like saying, hold on, I really do have to pay attention to this, but then I will be right there. And that was very appropriate because she had to be paying attention. And that's something I had said to her, because I work a lot from home, you know, a lot of times over the years. So it was uh, along
0: with all the other
1: things I've heard come back that I have said, it was nice to <laughs> something that that was maybe like that. So.
0: Oh, I'm. Oh my goodness! I love that. It's perfect. I love that story. All right. So another question is: It's really easy to blame, like our moody and dramatic teens, for the energy they bring into our home. So we're just kind of building on what we, what we've already been talking about. I think the million million dollar question is: How do you take responsibility for the energy you bring into your home? And like, what are those components? So one thing that you've talked about is really being intentional Mm -hmm. and another thing that you've talked about is just even pausing for like 10 seconds before you go in the house is there is there anything else that you can think of like components of that yeah, I think the, the pause is has been key for
1: me. And in that pause, even if it's 10 seconds, and that's what I did at work as well, is just pause, set an intention before I entered a space. And I do those things uh at I was started to do those things at home. And and um, but I think what helped me at home, because there wasn't that sort of clear beginning and end to life, yeah. <laughs> as there is at work, is that I kind of used physical transitions in the space to remind myself or in the time to remind myself that this was like kind of a new moment or a new you know place where I could set an intention so for example like thresholds like from the garage into the house was like a good visual reminder to me like okay I'm about to enter a new physical space so what energy do I want to bring in there or Mm. if I'm going from you know in my home office to then back up into quite family life that's a physical transition in the space but also an energetic one and this cognitive thing where i'm all in my brain about work to being not that you know to setting an intention for being okay now mom or wife or friend or whatever is upstairs (laughs) Um, and so that that has it or it's like a time and place like dinner you know and then we're in the car so kind of using those like moments where there are an actual activity happening like dinner or the physical space helps me kind of cue myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of a neonatal therapist I just was talking to recently said, because of everything going on right now, you know, she uses when she puts her goggles on at work for the eye protection as her sign of, okay, and now I'm about ready to set my intention. I'm putting my vision goggles on (laughs) and I'm going to go set. So anything that you can use, that's, you know, a key in the door, a different space to sort of say, okay, pause. What do I want to be right now? Who do I want to be? That has helped me a lot, those components.
0: Oh, that's great. And the reason why that's great is because we as human beings can just be unconscious all the time. I mean, that's like more normal. So, Can you, uh, for some of the moms who don't quite understand what intention really means, can you talk about that for a second? Sure. Um,
1: To me, and there might be a million definitions of this, but for me, intention is sort of just this determination to act in a certain way or to hold a thought for that space. And so when I set an intention at work, it, it looked more like very simple, like, my intention is to <clears throat> help this baby feel safe and comfortable and cared for in this moment that is going to be otherwise stressful
0: mm-hmm. to
1: a little two pound person. Right. So really simple. And when I would go into the house, for example, I might set an intention that just says that something like, I want to leave the stress. My intention is to leave my work stress behind and be present to the people in the space. Or the intention might be, I want to be really clear in the conversation that I'm about to have. Uh, or uh, I don't want to be triggered by, you know, said person's behavior. So I'm just going to listen. Mm-hmm. And I can choose or my intention is to just listen and then and not give any advice right now. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, so I I just, so that I think my, my definition would be that determination to, to act or be in a certain way for that for that time. And, and I think I had to learn to let go of the outcome of my intention. Mm. Because it isn't always a plus B equals C. So I could go in with the best of intentions and the best energy. And I can't control what happens with that other person or those other people. All I can have control over is how on um, what I'm bringing to it. Yes. And so that was a process for me too to, to let go of that doesn't mean suddenly everybody's going to be rainbows and sunshine and, and like, you know, we're dancing around the kitchen, but I kept showing up with what I could control, which was my own energy. And I had to let go of what happened. If I went in with the, the intention to really control the outcome, (laughs) that, that really wasn't the energy I was really trying to bring. Right. as much as understanding maybe the outcome or learning more about the outcome.
0: Right, because because then you it w- that would set you up to react. So if your teen said something snarky, you're like, it'd be really easy to, like, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Yes,
1: because I'm a perfectionist about that. You know, so, yeah, like I was still trying to really control the situation, which is something I was trying to let go of. But man, it dresses up in a hundred costumes. That's controlling. <laughs> so- Uh, And the same with the babies, I had to realize that even if I did my best work, they could still be stressed, because they're also responding to their own internal stress, like they might be sick, they might, anything could be going on in them, I can't control that.
0: Oh, that's, yes, that's so good. Because our teens are hardwired for drama. And um, so they are going to have their own little stress reactions. And it's not personal. But I think what you've 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 talked about that's so helpful is that if there's a cumulative effect if you keep doing this, yes, both both
1: positively and negatively. Yes. So I I think that uh, the cumulative effect when we keep showing up and keep redeciding to to bring the best energy, whatever that means to you, in the moment, um, it it does build. It it builds an opportunity for more moments like that. It lays down literal neural pathways for your family, your kids, yourself to say, I understand how this moment works. There could be more of them. And it, it opens doors, you know, that, and I think the same can be true if we constantly bring an energy that we just unconsciously are bringing. And I think, you know, I'm all for the Maya Angelou quote of when we know better, we do better. So it's it's like letting go of any time in the past, including the last nanosecond that we didn't bring the energy we wanted and just right. literally starting over the next moment Yes, and saying the more, just kind of the more good moments we can bring, the more, the better energy we can lead, those will add up over time, but they're not all going to be great and to forgive ourselves along the way. Mm-hmm. And know that our kids are learning from when we're imperfect as much as they're learning from not being perfect, but from being present. And, you know, they've learned to forgive themselves when we forgive ourselves mm-hmm. and when to be accountable for the energy we didn't bring when we're accountable for the energy we didn't bring. So I think everything is a good tool for them and us and yeah. along the way.
0: Yeah. I think what's key here and that you you're talking about is self-awareness because um, So again, not perfection, but self-awareness and then the ability to set a boundary. So, so mom, sometimes you may be just completely exhausted and you can't have that big conversation. And, but if you're upfront about that, like Sue, you were talking about is, um, I need, I just need to take an hour. I need to take 30 minutes and the more moms that you can set that boundary and be self-aware and take care of you. Because sometimes that's what you need to be able to be present or set that intention. Maybe you are really wiped out, but take responsibility for being wiped out and give yourself that gift of really loving and nurturing yourself so you can be the best with your family and you know so like i was thinking sue you know one of one of the ways that that we took care of ourselves is that we found each other and we talked it all out we yeah. left it we left it in the hills and so um, which was such a gift that that i had a friend i who's safe and i could be real with and authentic with and who would accept me cuz i think sometimes moms we 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 don't really tell the truth about what we're going through or or what's hard. So I would encourage moms that you find somebody that you can do the walk with and be honest with. And because those conversations are really helpful for you to be more clued in to what's going on in the home and to become more self-aware. And for you to get clear about what you really want for your family. So I think those are some other components that I see kind of in this. I
1: I would agree for sure because I think if we don't have those few people or if it's one person in your life that you can be really honest with about what's going on in your life, yourself as a person and as a mother and in everything with your kids, especially when we live in the land of sort of like show me your shiny kids only. You know, and and I you know, it's, it can become really isolating if you live in a world where that's the only acceptable narrative as a parent is to tell me everything good that your kids are doing. So, uh, you know, it's very important to have the person to do the walk with who you can be blatantly honest with, with no judgment. And those people are rare and you got to collect them where you find them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, this has been so great. Oh, you had told me this this question. What's it like to be on the receiving side of you? Ooh, that is a brave question.
1: <laughs> yes. So that that is a question at some point that I, I started to, as I became more self-aware, I think I started to ask myself at work and I would say, you know, I wonder what it was like, you know, kind of at the end of the day at work to be on the receiving end of me, and did I leave that place better or worse than I found it? <clears throat> if everyone behaved like me, would it be better or worse? And so those are some of the things I would ask myself. And then, you know, at home as well. And I think we can't know that unless we ask the people in our lives what it's like to be on the receiving end of us. It is sort of a startling question to ask yourself.
0: Yeah. And, wow. uh,
1: and then I think it, it helped me to ask myself that question to de- to help decide what, what is the energy I wanted to bring to things. And it doesn't always have to be the same thing. Um, you know, but it's, uh, it is an interesting thing. If you actually are brave enough to ask anyone, uh, (laughs) (laughs) right. It's a good question to ask yourself on that path to sort of becoming more self-aware to think about, "Hmm, let me write down a few things that I think it's like to be on the receiving end of me. Yes. And then use that for, for good, uh, soil for growth.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. How would things have been different if you hadn't done this in your family?
1: Well, it's a great question. Uh, What I think could have happened very easily is that I like to work. I like to be busy. At times, that's definitely been my drug of choice, busyness and things. So I think that I could have easily closed off the connections to my kids and to my husband by just living in that little comfort zone of busyness I had created for myself. I could have really missed some important cues and I have, by the way, but I mean, I could have missed more of them. Yes. And I think those things over time, I think they could have led to me not being right now connect, as connected to my kids instead of my daughter coming in my office these still these days and plopping down and telling me all about whether it's her weekend or her career plans or whatever it is. She could have been in her room instead and really having no template for sharing those things with me. And, and what that means to me is, you know, it can be really just chaotic when they're in their teen years and, and before. But I think now being a little bit on the other side of that, it would have been a sadder to me, a lonelier, like it's sort of the cats in the cradle thing. If these people, if you, if your moms are, they might be too young <laughs> for that, but but sort of like the tables are turning where I can't wait to talk to them about yes. what they're doing. And I don't know if I would have had that same opportunity, or the pathways for that would have been as open or as fun uh, if we hadn't created them earlier on. So I just think it, we would have had a much different relationship, and some things that we that we ended up connecting about were really, really important. Yes, yeah, you know, to their lifelong health and to our family's connection to each other. Whatever little tenuous pathways you can make stronger it's well worth
0: the time. Well, I can definitely validate that you taking responsibility for the energy that you bring to the room has had amazing results because you have great relationships with both your son and daughter, and you have a great relationship with your husband, and you have built this wonderful, wonderful, important organization, international organization that is just making a huge difference in the world, you're not missing out on the most important thing. It works just from watching your life. It works. One thing I
1: forgot to say is so much of being able to have the bandwidth to do that more conscious work is to let go of things that don't really serve your life and the people that, that are draining the life out of you. And that's a whole separate conversation, but, um, (laughs) But I had to be laser focused on what I really valued and who I valued spending time with in order to have enough energy to be there for those people and and to really invest in myself so that I could keep being there
0: in the way I wanted. Awesome. Um, all right, we're about to wind down. So any other sage advice that you would give these moms who are listening? <laughs> I would just say have a
1: lot of grace for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. because we're one thing that babies taught me for sure is that we're all just in process yeah we're all developing all the time there's no end there's no pinnacle there's no perfect person all perfect mom all that and so use everything as a tool for your development not for perfection
0: okay that's awesome and it's true that you're working on a new book that is a true statement yes (laughs) yes
1: I can't wait to talk more about it when I have you
0: know, <laughs> more concrete things to say, but yes. But we will all be excited to read it. So thank you so much, Sue, for being on the show and for your time, because I know you have a lot of commitments. So I really appreciate this. Oh, I appreciate
1: you having me. It's been really, really fun. Thank you.
0: This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This
1: podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit C-SuiteRadio.com.